0: It's not too late to get signed up for Inside Out, March 28th and 29th in Orlando, Florida. Just a few spots left, so be sure and sign up today. Just go to shootinsideout.com. You are listening to the Photo Bomb Podcast with the world's greatest photographers, Boo Ray and Gary. Welcome to the Photobomb Podcast. My name is Blu Ray Perry, and joining me, as always, is Gary Hughes.
1: Well, it was cold this morning.
0: Okay, it right. was. It actually was a little cold when I woke up this morning. It was—I uh, want to say—it was in the sixties. No, it was down in the fifties. Was it mid-fifties? Uh, crazy in fifties. <laughs> I know. Get the space heater out. Fire up the furnace. Well, in honor of of a cold, our first real cold day of the year
1: here in mm. Florida, I would like to, I'd like to create a new character.
0: You're smiling a lot. You're talking, you're doing that thing where you're smiling like you're already laughing at what you're thinking you're about to do, which is always a little scary to me. It's
1: unprofessional. Because
0: I can just see in your face, there's a certain joy and you've, you've decided you're going to do something here. You're like, oh, this is going to be good. And you're starting, you're, even now when I'm doing this, you're just, you're grinning. Nothing like pulling like back crazy. the curtain.
1: Nothing like pulling back the I curtain. I like
0: to pull back the curtain, but yeah. I just wish people could, could witness the, the entire effect of what I'm saying. I'll screenshot so, so, my stupid grin. What is this new character that you are bringing forth for us to witness?
1: I would like to introduce the guy whose legs don't get cold.
0: All right. Ladies and gentlemen, the guy whose legs don't get cold.
1: A- ask me if my legs are cold.
0: Hey, uh, are your legs cold? Nope. All right, that's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, good. Like good, right? yeah that's that good. good. That good yeah, that was good. That was excellent. Yeah, that was a good delivery there, and I thought that there was a lot to there was a lot to, to be taken away from that.
1: Yeah, I don't know if they have this in other places. I imagine that they do, but here in Florida, the the preponderance of the guy whose legs don't get cold.
0: Yeah, I know the guy you're talking about. I run into that guy all the time in his shorts, even when it really is cold, and it's and he's you're... wearing
1: a parka. Yeah, but short.
0: Right, right. Yeah he's, wearing, yeah, he's wearing like a sweatshirt, like upper body. He's dressed for cold. Right, but lower body, legs don't get cold. Yeah,
1: exactly, exactly. So we 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 have now a new character onto the show that we could we
0: could reference. Uh, I don't uh, like that guy. No, nah, I'm not. Just, big... I have a, like a thing. I just don't like right away. I just I see that guy and I'm like, dude, what, wear pants. Like, I, the rest uh, of who, us. what?
1: What are you proving?
0: Yeah, what are you trying to prove? Exactly. What are you trying to say? That
1: you can't coordinate tops and bottoms in a way that's visually pleasing.
0: Yeah, I feel like it's just a, like a, in the words that you've used before, a Tommy Toughnuts material, you know, where where he's like, it's just, you know, I don't need pants like the rest of you wusses.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a, t- it's a, it's a power play. It is. It's yeah, a power I move. Yeah, I feel like
0: there is a little something there, which is why I don't like that person.
1: It's, it's as, it's what the kids would call a weird flex.
0: Yes. That's
1: a weird flex, bro.
0: Speaking of a weird flex and a weird segue, uh, something happened this week that uh, I did think was, I mean, wow, it was interesting, it was sad but what I thought was really interesting was the outpouring of emotion, and that was Bob Saget. Died.
1: Yeah, man. Bob Saget
0: died. Yeah, Bob Saget died in Orlando. Yeah, uh, yeah. You were the first person, by the way, to notify me. At my house. He, right yeah. on he was that your house. Right on really my living sad. room floor. No, no. It really was, it's,
1: it, as he was at the, um, one of the hotels over there on the other side of the town. He was in town working, doing some stand-up.
0: But one of the things that I thought was so interesting was that if you saw what came out, you know, whenever someone dies, there's always the, all the Twitter and everything. But for Bob Saget, really everyone was just like the sweetest guy you ever met. Did you see Jimmy Kimmel's thing? No, uh-huh. Jimmy Kimmel did a pre-roll before his show started where he broke down crying talking about how Bob Saget was the, generally the sweetest person he had ever met and how, you know, he checked on him all the time and he would just tell you that he loves you and you know, and that's not unusual. You you heard that everywhere you looked on Twitter, every story I saw, it was people saying just, you know, like Russell Crowe was talking about how does Russell Crowe even know Bob Saga
1: I imagine there was probably some some drug-fueled parties I don't know to but together. apparently
0: also thinks he's just a wonderfully wonderfully sweet yeah it's man. almost so it's just across the board really is it shame. one of
1: those things where he really was that great like does somebody die and then everybody just starts to take a dump on him
0: yeah no and then, then Bob Saga dies and everybody's like absolutely was every bit as wonderful as the character he played on Full House okay so
1: think of a celebrity who is almost universally people just hated him and if they died, you really feel like people will come out of the woodwork to be like, oh, thank God, like uh, Kanye, West, yeah, Kanye West. Yeah, Kanye West. But
0: see, but they'll do that now. I was done with Conway. I, I, I won't listen to Conway. I won't listen to his music. When, I, the, when he pulled the stunt at the Grammys on Taylor Swift.
1: Oh, that was low rent, man. He was dead to me. That was low rent. That,
0: that, that, that was, that was mo- it was the most... I just, how did you you walked up on stage when someone had just received a Grammy and and took the microphone and said they didn't deserve it? Are you out of your that mind? That was some
1: unprofessional behavior. Oh my, right there. It's,
0: it's that it goes beyond that. I'm like, that's it. I'm done with you. I'm not going to give you any money.
1: Well, the 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 here's the interesting thing about this. If someone dies and there nobody comes out of the woodwork to start talking crap about them, right. if if somebody who was a terrible human being dies, but they also have a incredible list of accomplishments, they will come out and talk about what they meant to their industry, their accomplishments. If somebody dies and they were a genuinely good person, everybody comes out of the world we're going to say what a good person they were how amazing they were right. and sometimes both Bob Saget has had a a, a great career as a as a, a stand-up a TV actor um you know a director even a voiceover artist um and, and he, and he is, was
0: the narrator on how I met your mother
1: yep he sure was and uh and so you know he's 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 had a, career, a, a an impressive career but not one of those careers where you're like he changed the game he's not a Robin Williams no. or somebody like that or, or no an, he did know. like
0: seven eight nine years on full house they did like eight or nine years on america's funniest home videos telling the most corny jokes Mm -hmm. in the history of corny jokes and the thing i always loved about bob Sagitt was if you just knew him there and you never saw him do stand-up oh my god oh yeah he was the filthiest raunchiest stand-up you ever met in your life yeah everything he said was just horrible he he loved to play off of the trope that he was just a normal nice looking guy and then he would just say you know things like I have a dead baby in my trunk and he would just you know no I'm just kidding I it's it's at home and that was that was <laughs> basically the way that he would he would always he would always like I'm just kidding and then he would make it worse and uh and I love that about him but it was just it was just so nice it's sad but nice that we had two in a row Betty White and then Bob Saget who died and everyone was just like Wow, what a wonderful person. And it also, do you ever think, anything that sounds like Oscar winner, blah, 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 dies? And you're like, really? Like the Oscar was the most important thing they C. ever C. did? Sidney Portier, their life? speaking of which, also passed yeah, oh, away. Oh, God. See, yeah, well, everyone talks good about Yeah, but I feel like, see, the City Portier was at godhood status, that it wasn't like a surprise that people talked good Maybe about City Portier? You're yeah. such an icon. You know, such an yeah, icon.
1: trailblazing, trailblazing, award winning, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah, but I mean, it's been already a pretty tough year on celebrities. But Bob Saget does—he well, was only because, sixty-five,
0: dude. He wasn't old.
1: I know he was not. No, that's that's still young by today's standards. But you know, I I grew up in the nineties, and so Bob Saget was in my living room on the daily. You know, it mm-hmm. was Full House and America's Funniest Home Videos or something we watched constantly. You know, it, as much as you could back then without the right. internet. Uh, but like. So, But that is how I knew him. And the first time I saw him as a stand-up was when I saw the film The Aristocrats. <laughs> and I don't know if you've seen The Aristocrats. And he was one of the
0: best ones, too. Oh, because, no, everybody, oh. the
1: whole time, it's, it's basically, there's this, If for those of you who haven't watched The Aristocrats, there is a, uh, there's a joke. And that is sort of a free-form improvisational joke with a similar premise. And so stand-up comedians all kind of have their own way, who are in on this, all have their own way of telling it. And the most obscene, terrifically horrible, yeah. yes. nausea-inducing version the joke of it. Is how,
0: the, the joke is how bad can you make it? The, the, primi- the premise is, Talent Booker, family comes in. We'd like you to book us to do gigs and stuff. Talent Booker says, well, what is your act? And then they proceed to describe the act. And the act is the most horrible, horrible thing you can imagine. And what comedians love to do is tell this joke because then it's a contest to see who can come up. not with just It can't just be horrible. It has to be creative. Right. and horrible and so they did a whole documentary about this joke and they had lots of famous comedians tell their version of the joke uh, Gilbert Gilbert Gottfried's was probably the worst you've ever heard yeah. it was horrible but Bob Saget was also great because it was so surprising that it was Bob Saget
1: yeah, well the thing was that during the movie they would they played it up like Bob Saget was kind of the climax where everybody kept saying oh no you gotta wait you gotta hear Saget do this you gotta hear Saget do it Saget. And, they, and other comedians kept referencing you gotta wait until you see Bob Saget, and, and he was delivering the joke and it was backstage at one of his shows and he had to stop. He go he went and did his set and then he came back down and finished the joke. <laughs>
0: finished it, it was yeah. Anyway, so I'll be back in an hour to finish the joke. Yeah, you know, do not oh, yeah. do
1: not watch that with your children. Uh, no. your grandmother oh, God, no. or anyone who doesn't like blue comedy. This is it is the filthiest Funniest film. It's just Sarah Silverman. But if you love if awesome. you love comedy
0: and love the history of comedy and the history of pop culture, you should absolutely find the Aristocrats uh, documentary and
1: watch it. Yeah, but so that was the first time I saw Bob Saget not as Danny Tanner or America's right. Funniest Home Videos, and I went, Uncle Bob. Like, <laughs> it's a I, uh, disturbing.
0: I'm reading a book right now. I got for Christmas. My uh, my daughter got me the History of Rock and Roll Part One. So and this is this is only covering like 1946 to 1961, and that's it and then I'm assuming there's going to be another one right so this this is a thick this is an omnibus history of rock and roll and i'm really enjoying it and i'm enjoying you know learning where so many of these songs and artists came from and i consider myself to be a pretty knowledgeable person when it comes to music and popular music and oldies cuz i worked in oldies radio and there's one overriding thing when you read about the history of rock and roll that absolutely gets hammered home again and again and we've heard it but when you read it you're like Oh my God! And it is this. Rock and roll was so completely stolen from black culture that you can't even begin to imagine how much we stole from, from black culture in rock and roll. Like I knew, you know, like oh yeah, Elvis. If I can find a white guy who sings like a black guy, sure, that's Elvis. But no, every early rock and roll song had already been done or years earlier by a black artist. Yeah. It was just and then like, they, it was- and then
1: Pat Boone got to record all of them.
0: Well, I knew about Pat Boone too, right? Recording Tutti Fruity and stuff like that. But no, it's like everything, everything was done. I knew that Hound Dog was originally done by someone else. You know, but it's just everything was done. it all came out of that culture. And so then you begin to really realize why why they've been so pissed off about it for so long. Yeah. <laughs> because because they should be. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they absolutely should be. Uh, yeah, can, but, can you think uh, it's of the a type book. of
1: music that, that white people came up with that's like just ours? and also it has to be it has to be good
0: well country's ours country is white people i say that and that sounds very horrible to say it's ours but country was white, country was white people rock and roll and jazz black people and rock and roll and jazz clearly the winner in that context yeah
1: the blues as well yeah,
0: the blues yeah okay pile all that on and then over on this side we've got country and polka
1: mm, yeah we <laughs> definitely have polka yeah,
0: yeah so you know I'm just saying we got the country and the polka Gary. Polka. So, that's us baby. That's right. That's you know it. what I'm saying? We got a little we got something to be proud about. Maybe sea shanties? Possibly the sea shanties Yeah, were, Yeah. You yeah. know, so if you want to have three to match the country like, to match what'd you the, do the blues with the sailor the blues do the, the drunk jazz the rock and roll of course the rap and the soul also coming from that what is obviously inferior um, music side of the culture because over here on the superior side we got the sea shanties. The polkas, the country, mm-hmm. and um, that uh, that that thing where you play that long flugelhorn. Oh yeah,
1: <laughs> ricola.
0: Oh, oh the bagpipes. Yeah, yes, yeah. and bagpipes. We got the bagpipes on our side too. I gotta so think don't it. tell don't tell me, Gary. <laughs> don't tell me, Gary, that the white people haven't contributed to the great music of the world. Good day, sir. Good <laughs> good day. day, sir. I say I say to you, good day. <laughs>
1: You know, speaking of books, by the way, I know you got a book. Uh, I got a lovely gift in the mail this week from a bombardier. Really? I did. I did
0: not get a gift from a bombardier. Yeah,
1: well, What the hell is up with that? I don't know. I, I'm not even sure how we got my address. Probably looked up on the internet. But uh Paul They're
0: trying to divide us. Paul Bombardier Paul
1: Richardson sent me a book, a science fiction compilation, and uh, apparently he has a little bit of a publishing house going on. So uh, and he thought by comments that we have made, probably about Dune and other such books that uh, that I would enjoy. So thanks. I can't wait to dig into it. I'm just finishing up Three books right now, and then i'll I'll dig right into that one next, so yeah, that's awesome,
0: yeah, thank you, Paul. That was really nice. getting a little free advertising there too paul very very savvy, very
1: yeah, yeah, savvy. feel free paul uh you know to to post a link to your your stuff in the uh Bombardier's lounge that would be cool, but that was a, it's just thoughtful. Uh, I do have a comment though. It took me so long to read the little card that came with the book, Paul. Your handwriting is terrible. Good God Almighty! Like I'm still not sure that it's from you. I just, I just—it's the closest thing I could find to somebody in the in the group. So, but yeah, that was some good. Just let somebody write it for you, dictate it, or there's a marvelous invention called a word processor that you yes. can use to 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 make these notes. Use it, sendoutcards.com or something to like you know type it into the computer. That was. God, that was some of the worst handwriting I've ever seen.
0: Okay, so we got to do the thing now. We got to talk about Inside Out real quick. Mm, yeah, let's do it. But here's the thing I don't want to be one of those podcasts that suddenly when they're doing something or selling something, it seems like all they do is talk about that thing on their podcast. Yeah,
1: yeah. You know what I mean? That's a real bummer. So
0: we don't, we don't want to be that, you know, when people tell, hey, oh, they're going to talk about the thing and talk about Inside Out again. Mm. You know, we, we, I don't want to do that. However, we do have to remind people that there's only like 10 spots left. That's correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there's, there's like 10 spots left. So if you haven't signed up, up and you're thinking about signing up, it's not until March. It's March 20th. 28th. By then, we're going to be... What? 28th. It's on March 28th. Are you sure it's the 28th? Yes. I've got to fix that in the calendar. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so uh, it's March 28th. And by then, we're going to be through the Omicron. And it's gonna remember like remember like September, October of this year when you were like feeling pretty good and you could breathe again and yeah. you felt like you could go places. So that's the, what it's gonna be like. We're gonna in be March. in the
1: pocket. It's gonna yeah. be in We're gonna be
0: in the pocket. Omicron will have swept through us, everybody would have gotten it and gotten over it. And then it's like, this is the we're good, we can do whatever. And that's bam, that's when inside out is gonna hit. Yes. So and you and, and you gotta do these things in advance. Yeah. And you gotta plan them. Sometimes. I gotta I
1: gotta I gotta tell you. It's 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 gonna be a blast, but here's yes. The, the business workshop, second day, we opened up five more spots and there are two of those left. And so like this is, this is I would love it. Wouldn't you love it if everybody who came to this thing was a bombardier? was a bombardier? Oh, yes, I would. That yeah, would be so would. much fun. And, and so we've opened this up to the public and they're grabbing up the spots quick. So go to shootinsideout.com and come hang out with us for a couple of days in Orlando. You, you know, you want to leave whatever frozen hellscape that you, that you live in sh- shoveling snow and come down to Florida. It's going to be 75 degrees and come hang out with us.
0: Next week is imaging USA and we're going to take the week off because we're going to be gone. That's correct. Yep. So there'll be no show next week. I do want to point this out. I'm doing a photo project at imaging USA. Okay. So if you see me, yeah. So if you see me out and about and you want to be a part of it, just come and say, Hey, I want to be in because I am doing, I'm doing photographers faces at imaging USA.
1: Well, that'll be hard to find.
0: The face of photographer, and I'm just shooting extreme close-ups with clamshell lighting with the gear that I'm carrying on me at the time. Do You do
1: know that everyone's supposed to wear masks at this thing, right?
0: You're going to take the mask off just long enough for me to click the shutter. Okay. I'm okay with that. I'll keep my mask on, we'll set it up, and I'll go, you'll take your mask off, click, click, done. Your mask goes back on. I think we'll be okay. Can I,
1: can I be in your project?
0: Yes, you will certainly be one of the faces. Yeah. I was, I did, I, the first one I did was myself to test it out. I really liked it. What, the idea was, I wanted to see if I could do like a close-up clamshell lighting with nothing but my Fuji X100V and a, uh, what's it called, constant light yeah. source. Okay. And a, ref- and a very small reflector, which I'm carrying, which folds up very small to a small disc and carries in my bag with my X100V. Okay. And I thought, well, this would be kind of a cool little project to do while I'm at Imaging USA. And so that's what I'm doing. So if you would like to be one of the faces, and then once I get them all done, I'm going to put them on Instagram. Boom, 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 boom. A different face like every day. That'd be cool. Yeah. Yeah. I'm into it. Probably in black and white, you know. So I just, that'd be kind of cool.
1: So I want to talk about Willy Wonka for a second.
0: Okay yeah you texted me that you were No no
1: no Lily this Walker. story goes on and on. You haven't got you're not up to d- date on the latest stuff. We talked we right, texted right. last night a little bit about Willy Wonka, and so like my my daughter was going through Disney Plus or some such thing and she found Charlie and the Chocolate Factory on on Disney Plus. Um and watched it. And this is the Johnny Depp one. This is the, you right. know, the Tim Burton directed Johnny Depp um and so i watched it with her she she seemed to enjoy it fairly well and so we the next day i said hey you know we're gonna have popcorn and movie night mommy's out for the evening let's watch a movie and i said do you want to watch the original the willy wonka movie and she says is it old <laughs>
0: <laughs> everything's old and I, when you're yeah, five
1: and I, and I, and I, yeah 1971 as a matter of fact i looked it up Yeah,
0: that's really old <laughs>
1: And um and I and 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 my four year old was like, "Did you watch this as a little boy?" I said, "As a matter of fact, did. I did. Haven't watched it in quite some time." And so they sat down and watched it. The, the younger two immediately, like three minutes in, they're like, "This is not for us because it's not, you know, Whiz Boink Pal style enough for to keep a four year old and a two year old attention." But my six year old, almost seven year old, sat through it. And so she asked questions about it, and she wanted to know who was going to be Willy Wonka and stuff like that. And so I was like, it's a man called Gene Wilder or whatever. Anyway, so she watched the movie, the end of the movie, and you know this already. She, uh, I, you know, my wife had come home. She goes, did you watch this one? She goes, "Yeah." She goes, which one did you like better? And she goes, oh, I like this one. I like the, the she liked the Oompa Loompas better. She liked the orange Oompa Loompas. Right. And she liked right. the, the Willy Wonka better. And she said that it was less creepy than the, than the, than the than Tim Burton one. Yeah.
0: It, it, Tim, uh, death is creepy in the new one, but it, in the old one, it was pretty scary. I mean, when they take the, the boat ride through the thing and the psychedelics and the, the, I scared the crap out of me. Yeah, that was a little when intense. When I was a kid. I would say that. You know, and like, uh, and I maybe be, and being stuck in the tube you know, and the other thing I was pretty scared watching Willy Wonka when I was I, a kid. I would say that the the the
1: more recent version has a much more defined visual style like Tim Burton's sure. visual style is so specific. And so, in that way, I think that it really stands out. Whereas the one from 1971 looks like it could have been an episode of Kojak. Like it could have been. It could have been just like it was filmed by the same. (laughs) It was like the same DP and the same assistant director as everything else in 1971 was filmed. It just had that look. It could have been T.J. Hooker sliding across the roof of a car. It didn't have the
0: stamp of a director. No, it
1: didn't. it, It didn't have an auteur kind of director. Like the like Tim Burton is right. so there's that, but but anyway so my daughter preferred the original and I thought that was really cool I was really proud of her So was like okay I mean she just likes the color orange I guess better than a small Indian guy but that's fine um, here's the thing I want to get at so you remember the terrible children in Willy Wonka yes yes okay so you have Mike TV
0: right uh, okay Go Augustus ahead. Gloop Augustus Gloop was my favorite name yeah Veruca Salt. Who became a band later? Yeah,
1: yeah, they did, yeah. And they, uh, they sang Cannonball, was the name of the song. And then uh, I don't remember what song they Cannibal. sang, but I know Veruca Salt um, was a band. And then uh, uh, Charlie Bucket, our protagonist, right. and then Violet Beauregard. Those are the five, okay. those are five kids. Violet Beauregard was the one, if you remember, who chewed a lot of gum.
0: Right, right, right. Yeah. She'd been chewing the same gum
1: for, for like three seven months. Years. Yeah, it's yeah. a world record. Okay. So Violet Beauregard did this thing. Do you remember what she did with her gum when she took it out of her mouth? No. Well, she put it somewhere. Do you remember where she put it? No. Behind her ear. That's right. Okay. And that was yeah. in both the old and the new version okay. of it. Like this is where you put your gum when you're not this chewing is you, you This is where you it. hide you your gum. Your... So guess who decided <laughs> that this is a good place to
0: put your chewing gum today? Yeah. Who, do, who'd get, yeah. who do you think? I'm gonna guess it was uh, it was the it was the child. It was which one? You don't even know my kids' names. Uh, it's no, e- I don't. Ellie. No, no, I know your kids' names. The problem is there's so many of them. I don't know which one did this. That's true. Was it, it Ellie? It was Ellie. Yeah, she's the okay. only one who's allowed to chew gum because she's seven. Okay. Anyway, so and so,
1: <laughs> my wife texted me a picture of a piece of Ellie's hair
0: just detached from her. I'm insulted. Head. You think I don't know your kids' names? Yeah. Ellie and Josie and Shaggy.
1: <laughs> That's right, and Shep. Exactly. Don't forget Shep. They always forget Shep.
0: Shep's the fourth one to be named later.
1: (laughs) So my wife sent me a picture of a a big hunk of Ellie's hair, and she goes, Ellie has
0: learned today what happens when you stick your gum behind your ear. Come with me, and you'll be in a world of pure imagination. In a world of pure imagination. See, that's the thing about that movie. Is even I mean, Gene Wilder was a national treasure, but even without Gene Wilder, that movie is the best simply for that song of no other reason. That Pure Imagination is one of the best songs. Written by Anthony Newley, by the way, who uh, was a Broadway performer. Also wrote, uh, what's that song, uh, Michael Blue Blade covered it. Uh, um, it's a new day, it's a new dawn, it's a feeling new life, and I'm feeling good. Yep. Yeah, he wrote that too. And uh, he was in Dr. Dolittle, the movie.
1: Well, how about that? That's yeah, uh, he's saying, the more
0: you know. So, yeah. you know, anyway,
1: just uh, if, if you're going to let your kids watch either Willy Wonka film or both of these Charlie and the Chocolate Factory films, just if you have young children, just do advise them that behind the ear is not an appropriate place not for the chewing place. gum. And, and we are going to actually institute a, um, a moratorium on chewing gum in my house for a little while. We just get,
0: well, maybe we're not quite ready for it yet. <laughs> so yeah, I on the other hand chew gum all the time now because I've discovered that it helps me a lot with my... You know, I had cancer. You did? and I did. And so as a result, I have fewer saliva glands than most people. So the gum helps a lot. So I'm always chewing gum. And now there's gum everywhere all the time. And I chew when I'm working. And I always have to tell the client, just so you know, I'm chewing gum because I had cancer. Because I don't want them to think it's disrespectful that I'm chomping gum in the middle of their wedding ceremony. But it's like, you know, it's either that or I have to have a drink of water every two minutes.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. You know, I I think maybe some of
1: the newer bombardiers haven't gotten caught up to the fact that you had cancer. I think they all don't have
0: me cancer. Sure everybody is. knows I had cancer. It's like I, I tell everybody it's and the he, most interesting thing about me. I, I don't think it's the most interesting thing about you. Those those yeah, f- I had tonsil cancer and they didn't remove my tonsils. that still that's blows my mind. Still yeah, to this I still thing. have my still have my tonsils. You know how many times I've said
1: that randomly in a conversation? Like, you know, my buddy Bure, he had he had tonsil cancer and they didn't even take his tonsils off. Right. If you get testicular cancer, they just start cutting parts off you. That's
0: right. They take that stuff off right away. I don't understand.
1: Like, yeah, how, but, were...
0: that's, but see, that's what makes it interesting. You, the fact that you've mentioned it to other people tells you, tells me that it, it is, in fact, interesting that you can have tonsil cancer and they don't even take your tonsils
1: out. I don't think it's the most interesting thing about you.
0: What, but, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, was gonna, I don't want to know. <laughs> I, I was going to say this, though. When they talked about Bob Saget and what, how they said he was so sweet, and I thought, what one word would be used to describe me? What, what word would be most used? And I thought that, um, oh, what's the word? Now I've forgotten the word. Obsessive? Because, n- 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 obsessive was good. Uh, but um, oh, what's the Tall? word? Not unique. No, no, eclectic? no, no. What's e- eclectic? Thank you. Years ago, somebody was talking to some, two people I knew were talking about me. And one of them said, he's quite eclectic. And the other one said, I think he would consider that a compliment. And, <laughs> and then he told me that story. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I would. I, like, I would like to be eclectic.
1: Yeah, I think that's not a bad that's not a bad word to be. I don't think you, it's not the type of word that you could put a little stank on it and turn it into an insult.
0: Right. You know. Your word would be metrosexual. You think so? Yes. Why do you think that? Because you are a metrosexual. How am I a metrosexual? How many products do you put on your face on a daily basis?
1: Uh, so you have a scrub, an under eye cream, and a facial moisturizer. And oh and a beard oil. So four. What is the greatest compliment
0: you've received in the last month?
1: Mm, a random stranger told me i had nice hair
0: that's right and your shirts you buy them off the rack no you buy them you don't buy them off the rack you don't have them handmade but you buy them you, i mean, you I, buy mean them. I, yeah. I have them tailored yeah you have them tailored that's right you have your shirts tailored you <laughs> buy them off the rack shirts, and then have you have my them dress dress tailored. tailored okay my okay. other
1: shirts are this is a normal i bought it that's an oh
0: i thought you did it with all your shirts no, i no, thought no, like no. every shirt just you bought dress shirt. amazon 13 shirt you went down and got it tailored no just dress shirts just your dress shirts, just my dress shirts, and my and yeah, yeah. and all my pants, jeans included. Right. Yeah, talk to me about socks. What's the sock drawer look like? Uh, so many socks. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> see, <laughs> see that's it right there. Well, I'm, that's, I'm, all. I'm, that's all you got to do. You go into a guy's room, he's dead. You go into a guy's bedroom. What was this guy like grooming wise? How seriously did he take his dressing and blah, blah, blah? Just go straight to the sock drawer and that's where you're going to
1: find it. All I'll find in yours is half a dozen pairs of ratty ass gold toes. That'll be like, that's
0: right. You'd be like, there's black socks, there's white socks, and there's wool socks. That's it. Oh, I mean, yeah, I got some black socks with some designs on. I'm like four pairs I wear when I'm working.
1: No, my sock, my sock drawer. It just it looks like Bonnaroo. It's <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly.
1: <laughs> like- <laughs> it's exactly my point. Yeah, You're it's man. it's was, it's he was, he was, it's, was, it's uh, Woodstock in
0: my sock yeah. drawer. Yeah, it's crazy. A guy who takes care, but you it know, not in a bad way. I'm just saying that's a, it's part of your identity. Okay, I identify. This, as this is going to be in your when when, when you die. I'm going to talk about it. You okay, know.
1: great. I, I I fully expect that. Um, the next time you introduce me at a, at a speaking engagement, that that, that this will be part of the
0: speech. Yeah, I'll talk about your... But see, when I introduce you, I do this thing, though. Like, the last time I introduced you, I, what I like to do is this thing where I start off by talking really bad about you. And then I turn it into building you up as the best photographer in the history of it the world. It was very
1: touching. It was a
0: great yeah. intro. Yeah. So that's what I do. I start by like really bad about you. You know, and then, like, and here's the thing that's terrible. He's a horrible person. But he also happens to be the best photographer in the world, and then you know, ah, the, uh, and then you know, come on that way.
1: I'm very touched. Are you? Yeah, right yeah. here in my cockles, the cockles in your of cockles my heart.
0: With yeah. your socks. All right, <laughs> right, let's do the thing. Let's open up the thing. It's time for photography news. Photography, photography news. news. All right, photography news brought to you by us this yes, week. That's us. right. I wanted to talk about this um, story I saw today. Was just, I just? We I almost went to the point where we have to have a special intro for any time we talk about NFTs. NFTs. Do we need- I'm almost there. Like we have the like a thing, right? And I'm almost there because the NFT stories keep coming across my desk, and I just think they're so stupid. And the latest story is that there is a huge amount of NFT thievery going on. So here's the deal. There's these websites that sell NFTs. Wait, 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 wait.
1: I was sitting here just racking my brain for like the name of a segment anytime we talk about NFTs. OK? We could call it Fug you. <laughs> <laughs> fung you, fung you, because they're non fungible tokens. Like fung um, you or fung off. Ooh, fung mm, off. Mm, mm. No, get the fung out of here. No. no, no, go fung yourself.
0: Go fung yourself. That's it.
1: Let's go fung yourself. How about?
0: Oh, it'd be great if you had like music, and it could be like NFT, and then the music was like rap. Fung the police, you know, to play off of. <laughs> N-W-A, right? Get, that would be great. Fung, if to talk about fung NFTs, the Fung the police, you know, and then boom. That would be a good one. Somebody yeah. out there, somebody out there put that together and send it to Gary. Yes, any bombardier who can edit,
1: please put Fung the police into fung a stinger and anytime an NFT story comes, we will play the music yeah. and also you just titled the
0: episode. So anyway, okay. please continue. All right. So they're being stolen because... You can take any picture and just upload it to an NFT sales website or register it as an NFT and boom, we're off to the races. There's no oversight on this whatsoever. So they've got bots out there now that are doing this. So The whole idea between NFTs was to help artists make money off their art and to secure the owning of the art so they could sell the NFT, which is the whatever, the genuine article or whatever. And guess what? They're stealing it like crazy because there's no way to tell the difference between the original thing that you drew and the copy that's online. Right. So they are—they're um, having like crazy, like a thousand a day. Uh, they've got uh, bots that are doing it automatically, so and, and and the people who do try and sell NFTs are saying they can't keep up with trying to. Send takedown orders to all the places that sell NFTs to say that's my picture, that's my picture, that's my picture.
1: Yeah. So by trying to create something a way for artists to secure their images and make money, they have inadvertently given thieves the perfect tool to thief yes. some
0: more. Yes. Yeah. I just watched a documentary the other day on Beanie Babies, mm-hmm. which was great, by the way. And I just kept thinking about NFTs. That is just the type of bizarre thing that you'd be into. But yeah, I mean, there was a, it was a craze. Like oh, Beanie Baby was a huge multi-billion-dollar Uh, Industry in the course of a year It went from no one had ever heard of them To suddenly they were selling for thousands of dollars Mm -hmm. And then suddenly, just as suddenly The entire market crashed Mm -hmm. And what was interesting about the documentary Was discovering that the whole thing really kind of started With about four women who lived in the same cul-de-sac I believe outside Chicago They started collecting them And going around And then that kind of started the whole At least the documentary says That kind of started the whole thing All four of them became major players in the Beanie Baby world like one of them had a magazine, and one of them to this day has an authenticating service. You send her your Beanie Baby, and she authenticates it and puts it in a special case with a special thing like to do with comic books and sends it back to you. It's a beanbag, people. Shaped, shaped <laughs> cursorily
1: like some sort of animal. Yes.
0: Yeah. It's ridiculous. It's very- and so are NFTs. And right on that same line comes the story that the Associated Press, probably the most venerated news organization in the world, has announced that they are going to start selling NFTs. Great. Yeah, Good for them. Good for them.
1: I think that's, um, I still don't get it, but sure, you know.
0: If you buy this picture, which is readily available, we're going to put a, a, a thing in a blockchain somewhere that says that you you bought it, and that makes it more valuable. Well, maybe
1: they'll just make a bunch of money off some suckers and, uh, you know, be able to continue Yeah, now, to Listen, hey,
0: I'm all for the AP making money. Yep, let them make some money. That'd be great. So all right. in
1: uh, Canon news, Canon announces... A VR platform. Do you know what they've called it?
0: <clears throat> no, I thought I really did. I was thinking I got I got to have something clever here. Canon has nothing. created
1: a virtual reality platform called. All right. Off the Florida Keys, there's a place it's called, called Kokomo. It's called Kokomo. Thank you. Thank Is you. it literally called Kokomo? It is called or is Kokomo. that like the
0: working name? Like when they have you know like the the new the new app that's coming out. The working name is Let Tulsa. Let me read this to you. All
1: right. Introducing the Kokomo Software by Canon, a first of its kind VR platform software for the company currently being developed by Canon. Let's see da, 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 da. the innovative software is being designed to provide users with a way to meet friends and family virtually, quote, in person End quote by using a compatible Canon camera a VR headset and a compatible smartphone Kokomo will allow users to see and hear one another in real time with their live appearance and expression in a photo real environment while experiencing a premium virtual reality setting in captivating locations like Malibu New York or Hawaii the app uses Canon cameras and imaging technology to create realistic representations of users so calls feel like you are interacting face to face rather rather than through a screen or an avatar. This creates a real together experience. With Kokomo, we're tapping into Canon's innovative spirit and heritage and high-quality imaging to enable people to have real, authentic interactions when they get together in VR. Every immersive call should be a memorable experience. There you Here's the thing.
0: It. A lot of other ones are coming up with, they're trying to come up with the technology so that you can have an avatar Mm -hmm. in the virtual space Mm -hmm. right and the avatars would conduct a meeting which i'm like no i need to see people's faces i need to see your face when i'm talking to you so i can gauge how you know what i'm saying is is coming across so i like this idea because i would like vr to be eventually less cartoons and more here you know here i am in the holodeck standing and you're in the room too yeah i'm for that we can actually have a meeting here and you can see you know everybody's face and what's going on so that's that's great I mean, yeah, that's pretty cool.
1: I, I think the, the the idea is is pretty fascinating. I mean, as, as you know,
0: someone but, who... But, but if you're wearing a headset, well, if you're wearing a headset, see, that's a problem. If you're wearing a headset, they can't show your face. That, I don't know how it works. If I knew how it worked, I'd be working for Canon making yeah, see, that's why they have to do the cartoons because you can't do it in real time. You won't be able to do it in real time until we get to the point where you don't have to have a headset. Yeah, well, and I think I that this uses
1: that. a cam- a Canon camera. So what it says here is it uses a... Da, 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 da. Here we go. Um, okay, a compatible Canon camera, a VR headset, and a compatible smartphone. Those three things in conjunction, I guess, create the experience. So, yeah, does I don't the, know. Does, like, does the camera like take pictures of your face and then it replaces where the headset is, like virtually
0: over top of it? Maybe, but then how does it do? how does it show your face in real time, your eyebrows and the movement of your mouth and stuff like that? Because what they're doing with it, what they're doing with the, the, what you call the animated stuff is they're starting to put, like they put eye tracking. The next generation of headsets will have eye tracking in the headset so that if you're talking to an animated person in virtual reality, their eyes will move the same as their real eyes will move. And they're putting um, cameras into the handsets as well so that the handsets know where they are in the world better. Hmm. You know, and so you're seeing, you know, it's coming along but until they can get that thing off your head, it's never going to be, you know, help me, Obi-Wan, you're my only hope. Oh, oh God, so close. Yeah, that's so what we want, close. right? So close. Well, yeah. That's there is no
1: way, there's no universe we live in where the next 10 years of this just doesn't look like a GD nightmare. Especially, especially if also, they though, try to make it look like real people. It's just going to look like a nightmare for a while.
0: Don't you think that, also, that when you're going to be doing a lot of stories with people trying to get in the virtual space, and don't you think eventually it's going to be just like cell phones, where there's going to be like the first two early adopters, you know, Apple and Android or Apple and Samsung, they're always going to be really the main thing, and then everyone else is just going to be an also ran. Like right now, if you're going to try and catch up, catch up to, to Valve and Facebook, who are the two that have the two big sets now? Good luck with that, you know. Do you think someone's going to be able to come along and suddenly just boom, you know, surpass them? Uh, I yeah, don't that's know. that's
1: kind of the problem with the space race too, right now. For example, like SpaceX is just kicking everybody's butt around because yeah. they got they've been doing it longer and and you know, so you got like blue, SpaceX and Blue Origin and I guess NASA, and then that's it. Who else is going to go in there and start like? Yeah. Spending billions. You're too far behind that. the curve now. Right, right. Like, will you catch up? And if you catch up, it's going to be because you bought technology license from these other companies that already do it better than you, and they're selling you their old stuff. So that's pretty yeah. much how that works. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm fascinated by it. I think that the the way that we interact with each other has fundamentally changed because of the pandemic. And anything that would make that less awful, but you know what would make it more awful than sitting in a Zoom meeting for six hours? Sitting in a Zoom meeting with a big-ass helmet on. Like, that would suck. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, I you know I love mine man I, I play eighteen holes about every other day with a buddy of mine who lives in Louisiana yeah we get together and play eighteen holes and his avatar is right there and I'm watching him swing and and what's great is it's tracking his head a little bit too so like when he's looking down the line of his putt his head's moving back and forth and when he has a bad putt and his head and he goes oh man his head yanks back and like, you know you see because it's tracking that and it's pretty amazing yeah well here's yeah. the
1: other thing I absolutely don't want anybody to be able to read my facial expressions during a meeting. <laughs> <laughs> I don't that's want them to see sound. my
0: eyes roll. I want to be able that's to turn the camera sound. off and roll my eyes really hard. Like, There's other Canon news, by the way, which I think is hilarious. Yeah, let's move on. What else? So this is uh, taking place, my understanding, mostly in Germany. Okay. Because Canon Germany is who put this statement out. But what's happened is we have a, a shortage of chips Can you right please
1: now. do it in German accent?
0: I cannot. Please? I can't. Okay. They're That's not even that no, Swedish. That's terrible.
1: Can you please yeah. try just one little there bit? There you go. There you go. A little bit to the,
0: in the German. Go. Do you have to go high with the Does voice go to do German? I could go low as the German if you like. By the way, if you want to see a hilarious sketch I with did. like six, six Nazis in it, just Google Seth Meyers' favorite sketch. And it's a sketch from like some show in England 20 years ago. And Seth Meyers says it's the best sketch ever written. Uh, yeah, you know so what I have it I
1: think I saw that article where well. each, each guy
0: each person goes, I am the nazi who takes his gloves off and slaps them in his hand like so <laughs> and each one comes in portraying a different nazi stereotype from the film until the last one comes in and every stereotype he wants to do someone has already done. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> and it's a wonderful sketch. I have seen that. So, yeah, that's very so good. So I'm saying it to the to the bombardiers, look it up. It's a great sketch if you like that sort of thing. Okay, so here's the problem. There's no chips. And you know, the ink manufacturers, the the, ink, the the printer companies, they put chips on the ink cartridges to keep you from using an off-brand ink I'm cartridge. I'm aware. The problem now is that Canon can't get the chips they need to put on their ink cartridges. So they're having to put out ink cartridges that don't have chips, which means their printers are rejecting the ink cartridges. So they released a statement in Germany that tells everyone how to get around the chip and beat the DRM on their own printer. Could you read the statement for me, please? Yes. It just, it just says, you know, I don't, I don't have the statement. It just says, oh, well, it's just due to persistent global shortage Due to persistent global shortages. are facing challenges in sourcing certain electronic components. They are
1: components. facing challenges in sourcing.
0: <laughs> I feel in some way there someone must be offended by that. I'm trying. Look, okay, I'm just a guy doing his best. It's impossible not over here. to be offending someone. I don't know how this is offending someone, but I feel it probably is, okay. and I'm, I'm totally on board with it. Yeah, right, I just I'm fine. not saying stop. Okay. I'm saying be aware no, I'm, I'm aware. In order to ensure a continuous and reliable supply of consumables.
1: In order we, to ensure a continuous supply of
0: consumables. Hogan. <laughs> <laughs> we. <laughs> We have decided to deliver consumables without semiconductor components until normal supply is restored.
1: Until the normal supply is restored.
0: Yeah, that's all you need. That's better. So anyway, and then on their website, they go, they tell you how to get around it, how to put these, these cartridges in and beat their own protection that they built into the printer. Wow. So I just think that's hilarious. It is. It is because,
1: a, a pretty strange and and distressing state of affairs. And and obviously the irony here is is great. It's delicious, delicious, delicious yeah. irony um, for for people who don't like paying full price for ink cartridges. But like, what a sad state of affairs the world is in. You know, in in the supply chain problem right now. Oh my when, goodness! When when their customer service to get you their product is having to rely on teaching you how to circumvent their own security measures yeah. like that yeah. blows my mind blows my mind Well, it's
0: such a weird business model anyway with printers that they sell you the printer at a loss because they'll make the money up on the ink sure. and then you know and, and ink's not the markup is on the ink not the printer right because they figure well you know you wouldn't buy the printer if the printer's cheap you'll buy the printer and they will get you with the ink you know and i hate that business model tell me up front you know what i'm going to be paying don't try and s- sneak it in the back door well, once in college.
1: <laughs> well, the... Uh, the. <laughs> I'm older now. <laughs> well, only once in college. It was well, only <laughs> once. Just once in just college. Just um, <laughs> I see nothing.
0: I see nothing. I
1: hear nothing. Yeah, I, I get it. The printer is a money-making machine. You're printing money, hopefully, like if you're using a printer. You know what I mean? So, like, the idea is it's sort of a cost of doing business thing. And really, if you take the ink and the paper and all the stuff, if you're Running it economically, if your business is in the right spot and you're creating printed products, it can actually save you money over using a lab in certain right. circumstances. And so, I don't know any if a photography studio gets big enough, one of the first big cost saving measures they do is switch into in house printing because it does save a lot of money. But it is it is disheartening. Uh, you know, the problem is I am hoping that the you're going to really hurt the consistency of the color and the quality of the of of your prints. By mixing inks of different types, if you're using, if this teaches people how to circumvent it and use those third-party, you know, knockoff inks, like I, I, believe me, I wish that we lived in a world where UNICEF was just handing out ink cartridges, but it's just, just not the world we live in. But uh, yeah, this is. I wonder if they'll have to change something in like a firmware update to like get it back and or do it differently. I, I'm not really sure. I wonder if they can like, is the horse out of the barn now?
0: I guess. Yeah, I don't know. I mean they're if they're telling you how to get around it then what's to stop you from staying around it.
1: Yeah, well, uh not nothing for me right. right now. But I'm yeah, I'm uh, so far I've uh having a hard time using up all the ink that I've got. Luckily the the all, as expensive as the cartridges are, they are uh pretty um economical uh on ink compared to what they used yeah. to be. Oh my gosh, when I had a printer 15 years ago, it was awful. I think they're quite a bit better now. Um let's see. I have a story that I think is very interesting because let me ask you a question, Bure. Okay. If you could outsource your retouching to. I, I have outsourced my retouching. Okay. If you could outsource your retouching to the robot overlords, mm-hmm. if they mm-hmm. were willing to come to you in their infinite mercy and say, Bure, we want to take this off your hands for you so that you mm-hmm. don't have to do it anymore, mm-hmm. would you consider that offer?
0: I would welcome all offers from the robot overlords, Gary. I think you know that. Yes,
1: of course. It was a test, and you passed. Good. Thank you. you you're, you're you're not going to be liquidated into the system. That's good you're to know. You're a your useful asset. I just want to let you know. This end. is a
0: year. By the way, this is the year of Soylent Green.
1: Is this the year of Soylent Green?
0: Did you know that Soylent Green is people? If Soylent Green is people. In the original movie, which I'm, I I, would be curious how many people actually know what I'm talking about, but there was a movie way back like in the 60s called Soylent Green, and it was about a future where there was food shortages and everybody ate this government-supplied product called Soylent Green. And then in the movie, into the movie, you find out that Soylent Green is actually made from people. And in that movie and in the posters, this all happened in the year 2022.
1: Well, how about that?
0: Yeah. How okay. about
1: that? <laughs> um, I'm not going to eat you, but I mean, I would if I had to. I bet, uh, you know, if I had to pick, I'd say probably your thighs are a little
0: stringy. I got some meat on me. I got some, you know, I I have plenty of fat, juicy, juicy fat.
1: Yeah. Okay. That's, I would actually just render you fully into like a nice
0: base that I could, like a stew.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, I probably use it as like a boo confit and then I would, (laughs) well, uh, all right.
0: Boo Ray confit.
1: Okay. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. That's how I do it. Um, Yeah. So there is a new uh, software slash Lightroom plugin called Imagine AI, I M A G E N ai and it is uses ai to bulk retouch and i'm not and i'm not talking about like adds a skin softening filter apparently it uses deep learning and all kinds of stuff to sort of be able to get better and better at batching where you can kind of season to taste and so you get to go in. that's what
0: i find interesting yeah 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 yeah. is that that I'm hearing now that before it was like we're trying to use AI by looking at lots of images to figure out how to retouch. But now they're starting to say this AI, this AI pays attention to how you retouch and copies it. And that's creepy.
1: Yeah, well, I'm, I'm looking at this article, this Petapixel article, talking about it where they tested it with a batch of 800 images. And after installing it and getting going and uploading 800 images, here's what the author had to say. What I got back was honestly quite impressive. The convention and behind-the-scenes images were shot. This is images from Comic-Con. Under some pretty challenging lighting situations, not to mention the bevy of non-linear angles and perspectives, but the system learned my style pretty quickly and accurately, I honestly couldn't have been happier with what came back in this case, unless the app called them down for me also, I'll keep my fingers crossed that becomes a feature someday, or at least a grouping and ranking system of some kind. For the majority of photos, it almost felt like I hit an auto button for the setting, but with the added benefit of a personal touch. I did notice that in the portrait files, the colors were a little more muted than I would have preferred but I imagine that would improve with each similar and ensuing file I re-upload. So
0: he uploaded a... What are we, what, what are we, what are we talking about, though? This, this, we uh, say he, uh, retouching. Are we talking about facial s- smooth skin? Are we just talking about like the stuff you do bulk when you're, when you're sorting down an event, you, you know, correct the white balance? I think it is general editing. Because correct the white balance and stuff like that, uh, okay, that's nice, but that's not, that's not groundbreaking. Groundbreaking to me is when you retouch a face, you know, something I'd spend 20 or 30 minutes on, when it does that... To the, to, and make it look the way I would do it. Even more groundbreaking is if it does it better.
1: Imagine this is something to like, and there are other softwares like this, um, but not necessarily using AI. This, this takes a bulk of images and it does the actual editing, the color correction, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And it can- But here's the thing. What's the et cetera, et cetera? Uh, let me Other see. than
0: color correction, I don't have to do much to my images.
1: Well, of course you don't, but the rest of us <laughs> but, do. But you know
0: what I'm saying? I mean, I get it if you're one of those people who- you know, you take a bunch of pictures at the fjords and then and then you do all this stuff with, you know, all the different sliders to make it look like it was shot in 1960, you know, with a pinhole camera from Russia or something. And that's your style. Then I can see maybe something like that. But the average pro photographer, the stuff he gets ready to like show his clients, mostly it's just the sword. It's the call that takes the time.
1: Yeah, well, take take a look. There actually there is bulk culling software too for specifically for weddings that's supposed to be pretty great but checks out says the software is built to work seamlessly with Adobe Lightroom Classic and learn the way a specific photographer edits to create an independent style that will be automatically applied to any files uploaded through the application the company says the algorithm learns each user's editing style by reviewing several catalogs worth of edited images 5,000 or more images for the best results to build this unique profile and it keeps learning as a photographer Continues to use the app by tweaking any edits sent back by the services and re-uploading them for further training. Once a, once a user has trained the system in their preferred style, they can apply it to their own images at the same time, as still granting the ability to add options like cropping and straightening. Depending on the connection speed for the upload, the system takes an average of about twenty minutes to edit a thousand images. At which point, it will send the edits back to be imported by the user. Wow, I'm that's...
0: still confused. I mean, five thousand images, so they can edit what the white balance.
1: I think it's gonna. It does, you know, sort of contrast, brightness, white balance, shadow, highlights, all of the basic slider stuff. All of your all the stuff
0: that I don't really touch very much because the because my Fuji renders those things almost perfectly straight out of the camera for me. And
1: you're (laughs) and you too,
0: Canon does it too.
1: No, I'm just gonna bin this. I absolutely edit all my files that come through raw. Like I do a lot of work on the sliders, like color balance. Uh, even when I have a uh, a custom white balance that I shoot in a studio session, I still make edits to those images and make tweaks once I get it pulled up on the screen. So okay. it might be for photographers who shoot a lot of event work with changing lighting conditions, and you're trying to get everything back to a unified style, or you know, wedding work, a lot of candid's, photojournalism it, It's it's out there. The, I guess the overall point of this story is white
0: balance is by far the biggest challenge for me as, right. as a, for a wedding.
1: So if you just basically uploaded five thousand images that you th- that you, to your I have the neutral kind of white balance that you like, then you could just have this thing just correct the white balance on all your images for you. Okay.
0: And that, and that would be worth it. It's, and they charge for this? Or yeah, it
1: seems a little, overall, I'll see if I can find a pricing on this. Um, it's, it seems like it is a service that uses a desktop application. So I think this is something that you probably would continue to pay for monthly. I, I don't think that this iteration of it is... I don't. Know, I think it would probably at least initially slow you down more. You know, to like learn it. Uh, if for the right photographer, this might be a good tool. But ultimately, with this and some other stuff, I think that this AI learning, culling, batch editing, and even now retouching, I, this is this is it. Like you know, the you know, for photographers, your average photographer will be able to have you know, in another five to seven years, like this AI retouching, culling. In bulk editing, it's just going to be something like we're all going to pay for, yeah, like we pay for Photoshop, like we pay for everything else monthly or whatever. It's just going to be like, it's wow. just going to be the cost of doing business. You get like 10,000 images for 50 bucks a month or something.
0: I've been saying it for a while. That, and that compounded with uh, machine learning, with computational photography, and the ability to make any picture look like it's lit well, is going to mean that the future of photography is going to lean very heavily on your ability to pose. To find the right location to incite uh, to to get people to be natural or or act natural or give you emotion that that is going to become so much more of a focus of what you do if you are a photographer than your ability to light somebody from forty five degrees off and short light them. You know, that's because the computational stuff is going to take care of all that for you.
1: Yeah, yeah. There's no there's no question that your, your you know your client experience and your ability to be but even making somebody bodily look good that's going to be up for grabs. Cut the person out put little points into all their joints and move their body around and keep the right. proportions like that's totally conceivable to be done with a computer
0: and i so- also feel like landscape photography is going to disappear as term in terms of having wow factor because eventually it's going to be like going into a thomas kincaid store like the you know you, you see the first time you see the little college cottage is painted and lit well in the thomas kincaid store and then there's another 50 of them on the wall and you're like, okay, yeah, that's, we get that. Yeah, yeah, And it's going to be the same thing with, with landscape photography. It's like, oh, look, here's a beautiful sunset. There's a million beautiful sunsets because you just take a picture of a sunset and and send it yeah, off to the machine. you got one clean sky replacement. Yeah, and the machine makes it beautiful. So, you know, what's the... And, and also what I don't like is the idea that you're looking at a sunset that didn't actually exist.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think that... Um you know photography is definitely going to be in flux thanks to all this stuff i mean it's exciting when we get like new features like we you and i both bought this this software retouch for me remember we you know we right. talked about this last week and this is basically there's a video by uh, Unmish, whatever uh, his name is a uh, pixel imperfect this brilliant youtuber photography educator with only one eyebrow and he <laughs> teaches and he reviewed this software called retouch for me and i think it's russian made um but anyway it's the
0: brand so there's, there's a chance by the way that we've turned our computers over to the motherland yeah there's no question
1: Stallland. that now russia is spying on me through my computer but it doesn't matter because this retouching is badass and uh, anyways really retouch goes. the number four and then me uh by, by the fun fact blu ray discovered this if you switch the site to russian the software costs less because it charges in rubles and it ends yeah. up being about half price so just yeah. just a just a fun <laughs> fact out there yeah.
0: um but anyway, i used it today i used it today uh, on a on a bunch of headshots and the, beautiful.
1: I was editing yesterday. I spent half the day, door, this place was a disaster, doing test prints for my WPPI competition prints because uh, we'll we'll mm-hmm. both be speaking at WPPI coming up, by the way. And the subject had all these little um, pimples, but like not the red angry ones, just like the bumps, uh, like in the hairline and around. And, and it was like, it would have been, I could have done it, but it would have been a very arduous sort of going in through multiple layers and using frequency separation to go in and make it look good. And I thought, shoot, I'm just going to do this. And so I did the uh, the healing, re- I did retouch for me, the healing action. And it, in like, Twenty seconds, they were just all gone, and it looked better. It looked as good as I, if I'd have done it myself by hand. I was just, yeah. I was just blown away by what's possible. So part of me is like, yes, some of the mundanity, mundanity of this, I do know how to do that stuff by hand, and now I don't have to, or I can try this thing out to save time. But like, how much of what we do, how we define ourselves as artists, is in the culling, is in the cropping, is in the color, you know, is is in doing it. A certain way and then turning it over to machines may they be praised turning over to me and and just taking away chunk by chunk all of the things that make your work your work and then there's a sort of right. a philosophical thing here i mean i'm all for things that make it easier for me to make money and make my business more profitable by taking me out of doing mundane ten dollar an hour things but like i it, it just it just begs a question it's like at what point is it is the between the capture what's going to be left and the only thing, right, the the last line of defense is going to be your ideas, your creativity. And even that right. will be outsourced to AI eventually. Like And your personality. Yeah, in 25 years, you're going to be able to go into a warehouse and speak to a robot and go like, okay, I need photos of my product, and I want it to look like this. And you give it 10 sample images. You put your product on a little thing. It'll scan it, and then it'll use AI to generate as many pictures as you want. Like that's conceivable. Uh, they already at Walmart in, in Europe, you can do full body scan and 3D print a painted action figure of yourself. So like, don't think that that's not possible. And so, uh, you know, it's, it just, it's just something to think about. So keep an eye on the technology. And if you're in the business of photography, I highly recommend that you keep your head on your shoulders, you know, uh, keep your head on a swivel and, and make sure you're looking at interesting ways to make your business stand out. And also to diversify your business into different income streams as time moves on, because there are things, I mean, it sounds like it's really far away, but it's not. When AI is retouching my photos for me, you know, I start to think about how am I going to stand out in my market? And I think that's an important question to ask.
0: All right. We need to close it down. But before we do, is there anything that you, because we didn't talk about this before the show, any Bombardier news we need to get out there? Anything uh, to, uh, this week that was especially notable that we need to talk about? We like it when you got, when, when people participate on the website, when you go to uh, groups slash Bombardier's Lounge on Facebook and participate. And so we like to try and put it on the podcast whenever we can to thank you for that. So I don't know that there was a, there was was there there was no big story or big hoopla thing that was happening. It's mostly just people saying who's going to Imaging USA and,
1: and who's going to Inside Out. Uh, there are some interesting things that happened this week. Jeff just posted in uh, in the Bombardier's Lounge that he is super excited about Inside Out. He said he met a photographer from Orlando today and shared all the info about it, and uh, that's pretty cool. And um, I had a couple of people posting about Imaging USA, kind of saying that they might be nervous about going um to the DC area with the current uh covid stuff and uh you know honestly my thing is if you're worried about it trust your gut you know you know but don't act out of fear don't act irrationally act out of information look at the numbers assess yourself and your situation and the people in your life that you come into contact with and then make the call that's all there is to it life is risk getting in a car is a risk flying on a plane is a risk everything's a risk and so assess your level of risk be courteous to those people around you. And uh, if you still feel like it's a good idea, if you to go, then go. Because it's going to be a good time for those of us that do go. Um, also, we had a really interesting post from uh, Bombardier Alan Bailward, who um, <laughs> we had talked to about, about having low ceilings in his basement studio. And uh, he actually melted his flash by having it too close to a mm. uh, lightning fixture. <laughs> he oh, wow. Yeah, ceiling. I saw the picture. It was pretty bad. <laughs> Bro, I have been there. I just want to say, Alan, I ab- one time I was doing some photos at a first communion and I had an umbrella on my uh, one of my alien bees and I had forgotten to take the plastic cover off the alien bee before I started firing and the whole front of the alien bee just ended up being melted plastic from the plastic cover because I forgot to take it off. So, you know, we all make mistakes and uh, I don't think there's a single one of us that hasn't dropped and broken something or melted something or or burned something you know, at some point. So uh, anyway, so uh, uh, yeah, that and more. If you want to get in on the conversation and you want to uh, join in with us, if you're a listener and you have not yet joined the Bombardier's Lounge on Facebook, that's where we get a lot of our listener feedback and conversations and commentary and the most dedicated, involved, and I would say the most, the best looking listeners are all in the Bombardier's Lounge.
0: Sure, sure. Also, don't forget, shootinsideout.com is where you go to learn all about the Inside Out workshop that is coming up in March and to join up if you would like to and please do it quickly because we have sold two-thirds of the seats already. Mm-hmm. There's only about 10 left at the moment of this recording.
1: Yes, if you're on the fence, now's the time.
0: <laughs> yeah, now's the time. Photobomb is written and produced by Boo A. Perry and Gary Hughes. You can find our website. is photobombpodcast.com. Uh, Gary's website is com. So it is. My website is rayperry.com And you can email us Questions at photobombpodcast.com We will see you back here next week See you later